Last Sunday, I started a new series called I Need an Answer to Prayer. And I had asked at the beginning of that message how many of you felt that that was a declaration that you could say, I agree with, and it was, it was almost unanimous. I believe the reason for that is because when we enter into a relationship with God, His desire is never that we would be able to accomplish what He desires for us on our own. I think that there is a built-in dependence that He places within our souls so that there is never a moment in our walk with Him that we can't say, I need an answer to prayer because it's motivated by His Spirit within us. Within this, I need an answer to prayer. And for those of you that may not have been able to be here last week because the plows plowed you in or it was just brutally cold, you can go online. And all of our messages generally by about Tuesday are online. And, and, <coughs> excuse me, and you can keep up with uh, what we had to say last week. But this week, I want to talk about the prayer of forgiveness. I need an answer to prayer for forgiveness. In 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, the scripture declares... If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and will purify us from all unrighteousness. Father, I pray that over these next few moments as we begin to examine your word and examine areas within our life that we need to lay at an altar of forgiveness that you, by your Holy Spirit, would lead us and guide us into all truth. I pray that we would come to that place where we could humble ourselves before you and perhaps even others so that things that may have been upon our hearts for a long time may finally be resolved by you answering the prayer of forgiveness. And this we pray in Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask that you would turn the lights up a little bit up here. My eyes are getting older. Early in October of 2006, Marie Monville sat in a funeral home at the funeral of her husband. She was confused. She was hurt. She was feeling convinced that she would never know the acceptance of her community again. In fact, she wondered if any of the friends that she had developed over the years of living in that community would ever speak to her again. Because earlier that week on October the 2nd, her husband Charles had walked into an Amish schoolhouse armed with three guns. There were 26 students in that class, and he let all of the students leave but 15 girls. He tied them up. Those that escaped alerted the authorities, and as soon as they arrived, he began to shoot. He killed three children instantly and himself and two others died later that week from their injuries and his deranged rationale for his actions was that he wanted to exact revenge on something that had happened in his past. Notes that he left behind indicated that anger toward himself and God for the death of his newborn daughter almost nine years earlier had led him to a place where he did not know how to deal with it. And because he was unable to forgive or to accept forgiveness for things that were outside of his control, this unforgiveness had festered within him and manifest itself in a very deadly way. And his wife, Marie, was left staggering 
under the weight of what her husband had done, feeling as if she would then leave and live in isolation forever. In the face of such a tragedy, one can only imagine the hurt and the anger of the parents of those children, what they must have experienced during that time. But in an extraordinary demonstration of forgiveness, the members of that Amish community came and opened the doors and walked into that funeral and sat beside Marie. And not only did they offer her forgiveness and not only did they offer her love, but they offered to support her financially as a demonstration of their forgiveness to her husband and to her for what had taken place. She wrote that she was overwhelmed and never anticipated in that weak moment of her life a tangible encounter with God. And she says, as a result of that, he reached into my circumstances and he rewrote everything that I believed about myself, about my faith, and about God's ability to forge beauty out of ashes through forgiveness. At the core... Of every human heart exists a vital need that only God can satisfy. And while there are few people who might seem indifferent, what most want deep down inside is to live at peace with God. They want a sense that their outstanding debts have been settled. Asking God to forgive us is the only way that we can come to that place where his peace overwhelms our guilt and things are satisfied and we know because of the work that he has done that we can live at peace with God. And he's the only one that can make things right between us. And we're the only ones that can approach him. Within your bulletin, there's an outline of the message this morning. There's also a sheet of paper in there that we're going to begin to refer to as it gives us different prayers for different things that we may want to ask forgiveness with, and I will deal with each of those prayers as we go through this morning. But I want to start by giving you some biblical examples in Scripture of God answering prayer for forgiveness. In Numbers chapter 14, verse 9, the Scripture declares, In accordance with your great love... Forgive the sin of these people just as you have pardoned them from the time they left Egypt until now. In 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, and for those of you who have attended our prayer meetings each week or each evening this past week, you know that we have been taking this verse and taking it apart in pieces and looking at it as it applies to how God has wanted us to pray throughout this past week. By the way, prayer will continue tonight at 6. In 2 Chronicles 7, 14, when the scripture says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked way, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. I mentioned on Friday night as I was taking the part about what our land represents, that our land might represent our family, our land might represent our community, our land might represent where we work, our land might represent our city or our state, and certainly it represents our nation and the world. But I want you to know that when God brings healing as a result of your prayer, your land may be something that may be very little, but God is capable of bringing healing to your land. Psalm 32, 5, I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. 
I said, I confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Jeremiah 33, 8. I will cleanse them from all the sin they have committed against me, and I will forgive all the sins of rebellion against me. And in Luke 11:4, 4, forgive us our sins as we also forgive everyone who sins against us. Perhaps this morning you were here, and this may not be the best place or the one place that you wanted to be today because you are feeling on your shoulders a huge weight of guilt. You're feeling emotionally and spiritually exhausted. You may even feel unclean because of the things that you've done that you're not proud of. And if that's the case, then I want you to know that the message this morning aims to break down the walls that have kept you from having a moment where you can be released from the guilt that you were feeling because of what Jesus Christ has done to redeem you. I proclaim with supreme confidence that God lifts the heavy burden of guilt for anyone, regardless of what he or she has done, who genuinely seeks to be forgiven. When you sincerely desire to be at peace with God and you're willing to be transparent about your shortcomings, God will stretch out his loving arms and embrace you as if you were the prodigal returning and he will say, my child was once lost but now is found. Today could be your day. To rejoice at what God has done. Along with that welcome. He will empower you to turn from the things that have held you in spiritual captivity. I have yet to discover anywhere in the Bible. Where God refused to forgive a person. Who sincerely sought with a clean heart to be forgiven. And if you will look at the first prayer that's listed on your sheet, there is a prayer of forgiveness that may be a diving board for you as you start down this journey. Lord, I have fallen short in many ways, and I know that I have done is wrong. I don't offer you any excuses. Instead, I offer you a heart that seeks your acceptance and love. I believe you are a loving God, so I ask you to forgive me, Lord, for sinning against you and anyone else I have affected. Now please give me the power to change so that I can walk in your freedom. In Christ's name I pray, amen. Secondly, this morning is how the prayer of forgiveness can empower you in five areas where people fail most. Through the years as a pastor, I have discovered that when people generally call and want to talk to me and and want to bring up areas of their life that they are feeling particularly stressed in or feeling as if they have failed in, that they have fallen into five categories that seem to repeat. And so I wanted to address those categories with you this morning because I have to believe that if others have felt it, perhaps you're dealing with it just as well. In fact, I would believe that many ministers from across our nation would concur that there are categories that seem to repeat in the lives of people. Areas that seem to be highlighted in temptation again and again. And I want you to know God is capable of setting you free. I also find it interesting that as we go through these lists of things, that they also apply directly to some of the very Ten Commandments that God had given his children in Exodus 20. The first one is this, experiencing forgiveness for sexual sin. A new study is revealing 
because it had startling statistics concerning pornography among use of both men and women, including those who identify themselves as Christian. The nationwide study was conducted by Proven Men Ministries, a nonprofit Christian organization. And here were their statistics. Approximately 64% of U.S. men admit to viewing porn at least monthly. With that number of Christian men being almost identical by national average. When you look at the age group of men between 18 and 30, that number jumps to almost 80% that view pornography at least monthly. 20% of women responded that they watch porn at least once a month. Close to 45% of all high school students lose their virginity by the time they graduate. 22% of men admitted that they have cheated on their wife in the last year. 14% of women have admitted to cheating on their husband in the last 12 months. And while it is true that some people don't care about the implications of their sexual activities, a large percentage of people feel a strong conviction about right and wrong. Feelings of guilt for premarital sex, adultery, Fornication and pornography can linger for years, but God welcomes everyone who has fallen short with open arms. If you're truly sorry for what has taken place, God will forgive you, set you free, and give you a new path in life. King David provides for us a wonderful example of God's ability to forgive one who genuinely asks for it. Before pornography existed as we know it, David knew that the bathing place of most women was on the top of their homes. He also knew that he could see the top of their homes from his palace balcony. David, one evening when he should have been away at war, decided to step out to see who was bathing that evening. And for those of you that know your scripture, you know that next door was Bathsheba. He sent for her, had sex with a married woman, who unexpectedly got pregnant and in a sense of trying to cover up his sin, ultimately had her husband murdered. And when Nathan the prophet came to confront him with it, David did not try to deny or to hide his sin. In fact, when he was confronted, he said, I have sinned against the Lord. And then Nathan replied, following this, the Lord has taken your sin away. While it may seem painful and dreadful, to humble ourselves and ask God to forgive our spiritual iniquities, he hears our prayers and he helps us begin the process of putting our lives back together again. Just remember this. The God of the universe forgave David for his despicable acts. And if God would be willing to extend his hand of forgiveness to David and still call him a man after his own heart, then none of us can ever look at God and say, I've done something that is unforgivable. God's mercy reigns. David, who was a voyeur, an adulterer, a schemer, a liar, and a murderer, found forgiveness in Jesus Christ. And if you have failed, God wants you to know, today may be the day that he can restore you and renew you and bring life back to you as he lifts from you the pain of guilt that you have carried. And so here's a prayer that may help guide you as you start this journey. 
Lord, I have sinned against you and someone who is precious to you. I had poor judgment and as a result brought shame and embarrassment upon myself and others. I don't offer you an excuse and I won't try to justify my actions. Instead, I ask you to forgive me and lift the burden of the guilt that I carry. Please make me whole again and restore me as a child of God who is in good standing with you. I ask you to renew my mind and empower me to face future temptation. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Another category that often comes before us is experiencing forgiveness for poor parenting or disrespecting parents. And I want to break this down into two sections. And I realize today, some of you who are parents, we have about... We have about 40-some students who are away on a youth retreat this weekend and another 20 or so Royal Rangers that are away. And some of you parents are going to say, I wish my kids were here to hear this. They can hear it online with you. But before I get to the disrespecting part, let me talk to you. Exodus chapter 20, verse 12 says, Honor thy father and mother. But Colossians chapter 3, verse 21 says, Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. I have discovered that when parents come feeling guilty for the way that they have parented, it usually falls into one of three categories. The first being this, that they were unduly harsh, that they lost their temper, they went beyond discipline and became abusive. And when parents overreact, sooner or later they will feel guilty. Guilt is a sign to help steer them away from emotionally and physically destructive behavior to a place where God can begin to do a work within them and bring them back to what is proper and appropriate. Another thing that often causes them is perhaps their guilt is from the opposite side of that coin. Maybe it wasn't abuse that they are guilty of, but it could be because you hardly spent any time with your child. You neglected them emotionally. Do you find it difficult to listen to them for any length of time? Do you find it difficult to play with them or be supportive of them? Would you rather watch TV or movies or be involved in things going on on the computer rather than spending time with your children? Perhaps the Lord may speak to you because the same way that guilt serves to steer us from overreacting, it can also steer us to what is proper in the amount of time that we need to spend with our children that would draw us closer to them. And then thirdly in this, there are parents who carry the guilt of providing poor spiritual examples to their children. And then when their children reach the age of accountability, and suddenly the kids begin to look at them and say, I don't want to go to church. I have no interest in the things of God. And the reason being is because it wasn't a highlight or a priority for you. It was always when it was convenient. So if it was only for when it was convenient when we were growing up, why should I take it serious now? And there are parents that carry the guilt of having other things that came way more important than their children serving the Lord. And so when they choose for themselves, they choose to walk away from the faith of mom and dad. In the Bible, Eli the high priest, the holiest man in his land, because he allowed his sons to do detestable things, including sleeping with all the women who had worked at the entrance of the tent of meetings, God's anger burned against him. He failed terribly as a parent, neglected to raise his sons in the way of the Lord. And as a result of his sinful neglect, the generations that followed paid a high price. 
I have prayed with parents and grandparents who are praying, Oh, Lord, let not my failure to do what was right affect my kids and my grandkids, but, Lord, would you intervene and draw them to yourself? If I had it to do over again, I would do things differently. If Eli had asked God to forgive him and taken steps to correct his negligent behavior, God's judgment would have been averted. But instead, he was uninterested in making the right choices as a parent, and he showed contempt as a follower of God. If you as a parent this morning are carrying the weight of grave mistakes and it has manifested itself in your life as guilt, God extends his forgiveness to you today if you are genuinely sorry for the choices that you have made. If you desire to set the record straight with God, then the following prayer may be one that will help you as you start out toward forgiveness and being whole as a parent. Lord, I feel I have not measured up as a parent. You entrusted the precious lives of my children to me, and at that time I haven't displayed the best judgment in raising them. Forgive me, Lord. Help me to be a better parent. Help me to transmit your love, your affection, your patience, your strength, your steadfastness, and your integrity to them. Help me to wipe the slate clean and begin again. I want to be a great example and have the credibility to restore my relationship with my children. In the name of Jesus, I pray, amen. There's also sinning against our parents. Cindy and I would both tell you that in our life, one of the hardest things that we have ever had to do was leave our children at college many states away from where we lived. I felt like I had swallowed a fork sideways as I'm driving away and looked in my rearview mirror and saw my son and my daughter standing there. Why we gave them a worldview that didn't tell them to stay home, I don't know. But in those moments, there are a lot of questions that go through your mind as a parent. Likewise, the other difficult thing is to watch your parents grow old. The same way that we strive to be excellent parents, it's also important that we honor our parents. Honor doesn't mean saying yes to every request. It does mean that our tone should reflect the respect that our parents deserve. It gets easy to think that their age has somehow diminished their right to be respected. In arrogance and with a self-important attitude, I have seen many children disregard their parents' wishes and input. The Bible teaches us through the life of Absalom, the son of King David, who was the most attractive man in Israel, it tells us in 2 Samuel 14. And as the son of King David, he could have had anything that he wanted. The one thing that he lacked, unfortunately, was a respect for his father. When Absalom had children of his own, he became so obsessed with killing David so that he could assume a throne that would have ultimately become his anyway had he acted properly, that it destroyed his life. Absalom's life ended in a tragedy in the midst of a battle with his hair caught in the branches of a tree, and David's soldiers slaughtered him there. When children lose respect for their parents, and hold them in contempt, nothing ever good results. Over the years, many have shared their personal struggles and many have indulged about how they feel about their parents and it's sad to see how many people identify in part 
with the prodigal son, although they would never recognize it that way. But here's what they want. I just want my parents to give me my inheritance and die and get out of my life. I just want what is mine and for them to leave me alone. And we display that attitude in so many different ways. Forgiveness, respect, and honor are not emotions. They are shown through actions based upon choices, and we decide to do them even if we don't feel like it. When we decide to respect and honor our parents, the doors open for God's forgiveness to enter into our lives. If you feel resentment toward them, yet desire to be released from the bitterness, then I want you to know it doesn't matter what your parents may have done to you or how poorly they may have raised you. The greatest thing that you can do today for your spiritual life is to forgive them and ask forgiveness and let God pour something into you that is life-giving and new. So here's a prayer that may help you. Lord, I have not honored my father and mother like I should. My pride has prevented me from seeing them the way you do. I do not want to harbor anger, bitterness, or resentment toward them. Forgive me for disrespecting them and help me to honor them in a way that is pleasing to you. Guide my steps and my heart in this process. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Perhaps today you are dealing with the guilt of needing forgiveness for the way that you have acted in an unethical or immoral behavior. Most of us have been taught that to lie and to cheat and to steal is wrong, but I have to tell you that in our society today, there's a generation that's growing up that has had no moral training in right and wrong. I discovered that again as I was watching the news some months ago as we were seeing the floods that ravaged Texas and the hurricane that hit Florida and the fires that hit in California and saw the film crews that were standing there in downtown Houston as people had been asked to flee and yet there were groups of people that were breaking the windows down of stores and rushing in and hauling off all that they could haul out of there and one of them with a mask over his face yelled back, I can't pass up an opportunity like this. But before we take a holier-than-thou attitude, we should probably examine our own hearts. Because we allow things into our life that we call little compromises that we think are excusable and justifiable. Things like manipulating the facts to make ourselves look good and someone else look bad by comparison. We cheat on our taxes saying the government gets too much of my money anyway. We pray for God's blessing on our finances and ask that God would bless us with great jobs and to be able to provide, yet we ignore his plan of blessing by keeping our tithe for ourselves, and we justify ourselves by saying, I need it more than his church does. Abraham manipulated the facts when he went to Egypt by telling his wife, Sarah, listen, you're so beautiful that if they know you're my wife, they might kill me, so to spare my life, you tell everybody you're my sister. Let's just manipulate the facts a little bit. What Abraham thought might be something that would spare him turned out almost destroying a nation. So I declare to you today, I stand here in need just like every one of us that we need, including Abraham, to seek forgiveness. Every person has an account to settle with God. 
whether we lie or cheat or steal or slightly misrepresent the facts for our benefit, we all need God's forgiveness because we carry within us the seeds for destruction. And in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, the scripture declares, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And God offers to each of us a hope for change. He offers reconciliation. He offers a brand new start. And so if you find yourself today carrying around a load of guilt that has come as a result of unethical or immoral behavior, then here's a prayer that may help start you toward a pathway back toward forgiveness. Lord, I am morally bankrupt, and I know that I have failed you. I haven't been honest with you or myself. I thought I could fool everybody. Forgive me for being deceptive for behavior in such an inappropriate manner. I want to be in good standing with you. I want to make peace with you. Help me to live a life full of holiness and integrity. And I ask you to forgive me in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. And then there are those that are battling for forgiveness because of the materialism that they hold in their own heart. In the first service, I asked this question, and I won't ask it again, but on September the 26th, 2017, iPhone offered its new iPhone 7 and 7S to the public. Some of you may have that phone. Do you know that people waited in line up to 12 hours to be able to shell out over $1,000 to be one of the first to have this new technology. Why did they do that? Because they had to have it. They had to have it. History has taught us humanity has become more materialistic with each passing decade. People are becoming less important and things are becoming more important. And when that happens, families fall apart. When that happens, human depravity reaches new lows. So let me make an important distinction. I am not saying that having things and having money is a sin. What I am saying is that there's a difference between acquiring wealth because of good stewardship and acquiring things at the expense of our relationship with God and family and friends and neighbors. When places... And experiences and leisure activities and entertainment and things become more important to us than God, we find ourselves in deep trouble. Lot's family learned this the hard way. Lot had proven to have a selfish attitude from the very beginning when given the place where he chose to live and he chose the green plains and left the worst to his family members. While he was living there in the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, Angels came to visit him, and he was reluctant to leave because life for he and his family was so comfortable. They loved the comfort that came from being in a city that had everything. To the point where they were able to not see the wickedness that was infiltrating their own lives and their own family by the surroundings. And when the angels finally convinced Lot to speak to his family and say that they needed to go. There was an argument that took place because the city was so evil that when the men of the city knew that there were angels inside, they knocked on the door and said, would you send them out so that we can have sex with these men, these angels that are in there? 
they caused blindness to come upon them and they took the family and pulled them even though they really didn't want to go. Took them by the hand, led them safely out of the city with the command, flee for your lives and don't look back. Whether it was the materialistic wealth or the lifestyle that Lot's wife couldn't leave behind, we don't know. But with one last longing glance, she lost her life and became a petrified pillar of salt in her last act of disobedience and defiance to God because she so loved the lifestyle. Jesus understood the dangers of coveting. He summed it up for us in Luke chapter 12, verse 15, when he said, Watch out! Be on guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. If you are frustrated because you're not where you want to be and the grass always seems to be greener on the other side of the fence, if you're struggling with coveting things in this materialistic world, God opens a door of redemption for you today. And if you regret your mistakes and ask him to help settle the account and change the course of your life and change the desires of your heart, then here is a prayer that may help lead you there. Lord, sometimes the desires of my heart have led me off course. I've pursued things that I know are not beneficial for my relationships with you and others, all because I had to get what I wanted. Forgive me for coveting in my heart. I don't want to be driven by materialism. Instead, I want you to lead me. I ask you to renew my mind and give me a fresh start this day. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. And lastly, some of you today need forgiveness because you've turned your back on God. The first four areas of forgiveness that I have dealt with today deal with interactions with other people. This last one deals exclusively with your interaction with God Almighty. When the prodigal son turned his back on his father and squandered all that he had on prostitutes and parties, there came a moment when the pathway of selfishness hit its natural end. What I need you to know this morning is that if you choose to turn your back on God and choose to pursue the pathway of your own will, there will come a natural end to that path and it will not be where you think it is. Sin will always take you farther than you want to go. And it will always cost you more than you're willing to pay. And when you get to the end of it, you will discover that all of the longings of your heart that you hoped sin might be able to fulfill and selfishness might be able to fulfill will not be there at the end. And like the prodigal son, you will find yourself spiritually living with the pigs. It was in that moment of time, after he had turned his back on his father, that he came to himself. And as he returned to his father, he says, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. Some of you have chosen a pathway in life and you have justified your pathway of living selfishly in the way you've wanted because you have told people around you, leave me alone, it's my life and I can choose to live the way I want and I'm not hurting anybody but me. You have deceived yourself if you don't think your sin has consequences well beyond your own life. 
Some of them you may not see for a while, but there are consequences, and your individual sin will affect others as well. But you can stop the pattern of destructive behavior. And I pray that there would be a conviction of the Holy Spirit upon you who have wandered from God this morning as he wants to draw you back. If you want to reconcile your life with God and you sense that you've turned your back on him, consider the following prayer as a guide to help you reconnect your life back to him. Lord, help me come to my senses. I want to see my life as you do. Sometimes the excitement and the euphoria that I so fervently pursue blinds my ability to think straight. I have let things come between you and me. And as a result, I haven't spent time with you that I should. I do not want any addictions or idols to come between us. Give me strength, love, and power to make you the most important person in my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Worship team, would you please come and prepare yourselves? Regardless of your family backgrounds or the way that you feel about yourself, each of us carries the potential to break God's law. When I was entering into ministry, my father told me, he said, son, I don't want you to ever think that just because you are in the ministry that you are incapable of any sin that is out there to be committed. He said, in fact, spiritual arrogance is the door that opens for so many people. We all need to know that we have capable, the capabilities within us of doing things that we don't think we can do. And I believe that the only way that we can approach those things is with a humble heart before the Lord, recognizing, God, you have created in me weaknesses so that I need an answer to prayer. You've built it within me to to be dependent upon you and not upon myself. And so, Lord, I stand in need of prayer. It's me. It's me. It's me, oh, Lord, standing in the need of prayer today. And I'm going to ask that you would stand with me this morning. In fact, I'm going to ask that as many of you can, that you would come and just stand at the altar. Come and stand in the aisles. We're going to sing a song this morning that I believe can be a prayer for us today. I don't think there's any of us that are excluded from an opportunity to respond to the Lord. And so I'm just going to ask you to step out of your seat. If you're a guest with us today, feel at home with us today. We're just going to come and stand in the presence of the Lord for a few minutes this morning. And we're going to sing. I want to pray with you. Because I so believe when Pastor Durst was here a couple of weeks ago, he, he talked about if we want to experience everything that God has for our future, that we need to consecrate ourselves. Do you remember that? Consecration for the... For the Christian starts with saying, Father, forgive me for I have sinned and I need a fresh outpouring of your forgiveness. 